Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received the faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very grand and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly love, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but if anyone does not have them, he is short sighted and blind, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made to be attended. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Morning, everyone. Morning. Good to see you. Good to be here. And gracious Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would help us to know what you would have us understand. Please change us, please correct us, please direct us in what we do, how we think, what we will say. Please keep me from our own heart. Uh, it's some time ago, actually, yeah, much longer than I think. I put 20 years ago, that's much funny. Uh, <laughs> you know how you, yesterday, feel like 20 years ago, but actually, when you work it out, it's a lot more. I started playing soccer again uh, a number of years ago, many years ago. 
And I played, uh, you know, I retired at the ripe old age of 24, and uh, then played about five years later for a little while. And then sometime later, you know, you get the idea in your 30s that you might still be able to do things. Stupid idea. And, uh, but anyway, I, I remember I went and I bought boots. Bought boots. I got socks. They were the wrong ones, but they were socks. <laughs> I got shin pads, which are very, very, very important. And my jersey was washed every week for me. I thought it was I was made in the shame. I had everything. One thing I forgot. And played for 15 years or so. And uh, I really hadn't brushed up on anything. In fact, I hardly watched football when I mean football. Uh, I hadn't really done it. I'd forgotten that you actually needed to practice. You needed to be familiar with what you were doing, to be up, up with the, the latest trends. I hadn't built my fitness. I didn't have anything at all, really, apart from my clean shoes, which as I said, was washed every week for me. Now, I remember the first game, I was so happy and so thrilled to be running around. I got the goalkeeper to, you know, did some move that I would have done, you know, 15 years earlier or something. The ball passed, I passed it back to the goalkeeper and, he, and I said to him to pick it up. Well, he picked it up. Little did I know that 10 years ago you'd changed the rule. You weren't allowed to pick the ball up through the goalkeeper. I had no clue what I was doing. I looked apart. But I actually wasn't part. I thought I had everything needed, but I needed to do a lot more work. I needed to know a lot more. Today, Peter is giving us some message which is similar. We have everything, he says, we need. But having it, go do it, he's saying. It's his first point in his this is his last message. We're doing two Peter, by the way, so we've done one Peter, so we did two Peter. And it's his last message. He's communicating as a servant, perhaps a slave of Jesus Christ. He uses the term apostle, but here he means it as sent one or messenger. He doesn't mean it as a big A that we want to say, but that's who he is. He is someone who has been commissioned by Jesus, Jesus himself. It's a really good thing to notice that he says he is a servant. That's not really a term people choose today in Christian leadership. Christian leadership is not about power, but instead about humility and service. We know that because that's Jesus. Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter is speaking because, as I said, this is a last chance. His audience is probably a non Jewish one, probably a Gentile audience. They've received faith, he says in verse 1, as precious as ours. And they need to realize what they've got. And who they are. They are God's loved people. 
God has given them the gift that he has promised from all ages, and they are the receivers of it. It's a gift of God's love and righteousness. And so Peter wants them to know this because if you look in verse 12 to 15, he is leaving. I remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear. I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. It's an interesting question. If you knew you were going, what would you like to tell the people who are most dear to you? What is that message you would like to say? What are those words you would like to say? Read to Peter in that with those eyes. This is Peter's final message to people he wants to know what is important. He's about to die. He's concerned for them. And there are reasons why he's concerned for them. You might, if you have your Bible, you might jump with me here. Chapter 2, verse 3, there are false teachers. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you in stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Chapter 3, verse 3, there are people who are scoffers. I always love the word scoffer. Do you like the word scoffer? Scoffer, scoffing. I like it. But anyway, they're not good. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They say, where is this coming, he promised. And so... To watch out for them and watch out for those who cause division. And he's talking about Paul's letters. If you see chapter 3, verse 16, his letters contain, speaking about Paul, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. And they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. You might say nothing. Peter's concerned as he leaves for the people who he wants he's leaving behind. He's concerned for the dangers they face, people who distort the truth, lead people astray, discourage them, divide them, make them give up. So he's writing this as a parting message. What does he wish for them? Verse 2. He wishes grace and peace in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's an important sentence. Read it quickly. That's what he wants for his people. Grace and peace in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wants them to have the things he's known and the things he's been speaking to remember them, to the things that he's been given. 
He says. Secondly, that we have everything we need. We need in verses one and four. His divine power has given us everything we need for life to godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus' power has been unleashed into the world by his spirit. If you read the book of Acts, if you like the book of Acts, anyone read the book of Acts? It's really about the spirit of Jesus continue to work, where it says that Jesus is leaving and he leaves. The rest of the Acts shows that he continues to work in his world and has done so even to this day. Paul, Peter wants them to know that that spirit that lives within them has given them everything they need for life and godliness. Godliness means simply to live lives that please our Heavenly Father. And that is the glory and excellence of Jesus in verse 3. Glory is not something we earn, but is given to us. The wonderful thing and the truth of Jesus, he has given us the glory that he knew and knows and is. That's a privilege. And it's come to us because of verse 4. He has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. God has poured his spirit into you to transform you and to make you his. Jesus came that you should be sanctified. Jesus came that you would be justified, reconciled, brought back, into his world and made his. That's what I think it means when it says you participate in the divine nature. All of those promises is as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, all those many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Very important word, yes. I remember when I was at work, do you remember, does anyone know I used to be an accountant? Don't ask me to do your taxes. <laughs> I was at, I was an accountant, and I remember the salesman came. Joyce, you would understand. The salesman came, and he said, you know, here's a new software package for your financial needs. And it can do this, and it can do this, and it will produce that. And then we go, can it do this? We said, absolutely, it will do this. And it will do that. It'll even do this. Well, they arrived. It was installed. They went away. And we started to try to produce this and that and a bit of the other. And of course, as you know, when, has anyone been a salesman? But this one, <laughs> of course, it 
couldn't do any of that. My goodness, it doesn't even get close to doing this. And any of the other is definitely out of, out of, out of possibility. It couldn't seem to do anything almost that we wanted. The promises of yes were not so. With Jesus, the promises are always yes. All the promises of God find their fulfillment, fulfillment in Jesus, and they have come to us as God's gift and glory. There is nothing that God has held or will hold back from us because of Christ. All of Christ's glory has been given to us and in us. That is why we're able to participate in the divine nature. Strange words, but by his spirit, we that lives within us, God has given us the power to live lives that please him. Not perfectly, but still pleasing him because of Jesus. What he's done for us at the cross and what his life and resurrection achieved. Putting all that together is our third point from verses 5 to 9. You can't avoid what's said in verses 5 to 9. And remember, this is Peter's last message and what he wants them to understand. What does he want them to do? He gives them several things. He wants them to get it all together. He wants the qualities that are listed in these verses to be something they produce. He says, make every effort to produce them. We might say it's about spiritual growth because that is the goal. Every day, mind, body, and spirit, a believer is meant to give themselves to these qualities. What is these qualities? Goodness, the quality of moral excellence, reflecting the qualities of our Father in heaven. He wants them to have knowledge, making sure that their lives reflect who God is and what He wants. Self control, to resist temptation, to stay true. Perseverance, the ability to bear under trial and to keep going. Godliness, living lives that please him. Brotherly affection or mutual affection, a care, love, and concern for your fellow believers. Love, love that binds all these things together. Peter is saying, grow in these qualities. The world is full, and you may know of them, of incredible Christian leaders whose ministries have come unstuck despite their success and their grandeur, I guess because this is not what they've been doing. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection and love. If you do not give yourself to these things, you can run off the rails. It's why Peter wants them to know this. 
This is 101. Anybody even know what 101 is? It's basic. It's the introductory. It's actually the thing you must be doing. Peter wants them to grow in these things because if they don't, they will become, as he says, ineffectual or unfruitful. The picture Peter has in giving yourselves to these things is that you will grow, they will grow in abundance and you will grow in them. Uh, a friend of mine was a, a founding member of a bowling club, which I'm not sure is a great so, but anyway, where he lived and he wanted to bowl, he had a bunch of friends he knew and they got together and they made the dream, made it all level, that's be very hard to make a bowl in the middle of the area. It had to be flat, flat. I've never got that accurate in my life. Nevertheless, made it flat, started the dream, planted the grass, they started the club, they met on the first Saturday they bowled. They bowled and they bowled and they bowled. Eventually, he became the president of this club. They bowled and they bowled and they bowled. When I met him, uh, about 30, 35 years, 40 years later, he no longer bowled. And none of his mates did either. In fact, the people in charge of the club really didn't care if anyone bowled anymore. The only thing they were concerned about, which he said, was poker machines and making money. The dreams were terrible. If you did bowl, you didn't really want to bowl there. The original purpose of the club had become totally lost. If it started as a bowling club, that was a distant memory. Peter is saying, make sure you don't use, lose your original purpose. Pursue these things, he's saying, to make sure that you don't end up like that bowling club, that you haven't forgotten who you are. As I said, there are great Christian ministries with great Christian leaders that come unstuck. Why? These basic things have been left astray. First not. If anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. It's quite sobering. Today, when you hear about what is Christianity about, I'm not sure Peter would really listen, because he wants to write these things. What he says, he fourth point as he makes is what you end up with, he says, is you end up being eager. Be all the more eager, or all the more diligent, we might say, to do these things, as he says, as making your calling and election sure. Now, Calvinists don't think you do things like this to get anywhere. That doesn't achieve things. We don't think that. He's not saying, what he is saying, that you still need to respond. You still can't forget these things. The Bible is always calling us to put these qualities into practice. Remember, well, I didn't do it, so I thought I looked apart, but I couldn't find it. The truth is, 
the practice. These things must be produced in our lives. Peter is leaving. It's the last thing he wants them to hear. Be on your guard. Because these things, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, bound up in love, in goodness, and in faith. Pursue those things. Don't get distracted. Put them in the place. If Christ died for all, says 2 Corinthians 5, 15, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Here we are. God's word. We are to practice each day. In daily in, day to grow in these qualities. Change the world? Absolutely. Change you? Sure. Change this church? Gracious Father, we pray that we would give ourselves to what you ask us. It's not easy. We're called to do so many things. And we, our demands are on our time, but we do pray that you would help us to be who you want us to be. Help us to put these things into place. We thank you that we have everything we need. You have given us your word, and by your spirit, it comes alive in us. It lives in us and produces fruit. Lord, your, we are part of your people because you loved us. We have been called because it was your wonderful pleasure to do so. We've been made your people as a gift, which we, as Wayne probably said, I'm pretty sure said, we didn't deserve. Lord, we worship you and thank you and ask that you would produce in us these things. We pray that we wouldn't forget. Pray that we would give ourselves to them, that Lord, we might grow in them. For Jesus' sake.